The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed, him, showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I recently started watching a documentary about the Beatles called The Beatles Get Back, uh, which came out a couple years ago on Disney+. And uh, I love music documentaries, and this is a great one. It covers the making of the Beatles' 1970 and final album, Let It Be, uh, with footage from their recordings of the sessions in 1969. So it covers the making of this album over a 21-day period and culminates with their famous rooftop concert. The movie is eight hours long in three parts, so I've only just scratched the surface, but it's really fascinating to see arguably the greatest band of all time putting together this album, which would be their last. And because this movie is so long, you get to see everything in great detail. And what's fascinated me the most is the songwriting process, where you watch them write the songs of the album together, songs like Two of Us, Across the Universe, Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road, and Get Back. At the very beginning of the movie, you see Paul McCartney sitting at a piano, writing the song Get Back, seemingly out of thin air, while he was killing time waiting for John Lennon to show up. Pure genius. I love music documentaries, and I'm fascinated by the creative process. When you have to give a sermon most Sundays of your life for 20 years, I'd guesstimate maybe a thousand sermons in that time, not to mention writing and teaching, it helps to better understand the creative process, but it still remains a mystery. I wonder why some sermons come so easily and almost pop into my head fully formed, while others take so much longer to be born, and then some others feel like they're actively conspiring against me. I wonder where inspiration comes from, how seemingly random dots connect, how one can set the right conditions for creativity. I wonder how you can get to the same place in so many different ways because you have to find a way to trust the creative process, especially when you've been staring at a blank page for 10 minutes. For this reason, books on writing and creativity are among my favorites. I have a shelf full of them in my office. And some of my favorites include Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert, On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King, and The Writing Life by Annie Dillard, which I reread at least once a year. And you learn things, like that Stephen King was inspired to write his first bestseller, Carrie, while he was a poor, struggling writer and was working as a school custodian to make ends meet. 
inspiration happens everywhere. These and other books on writing talk about writing itself, but they mostly talk about what it means to be human, about paying attention to our lives, putting in the work, living gratefully, giving generously, and trusting a process. And the book I'm currently reading on this is called The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin, who is one of the most important music producers of the last 30 years. And he writes that creativity is really a way of life. He says, the mere fact of being alive, we are active participants in the ongoing process of creation. You exist as a creative being in a creative universe, a singular work of art. We'd also add that we're made in the image of God, the creator of all things, so creativity is innate. It comes standard. Rubin's book is not religious, but it does speak to faith and spirituality in places. He says, The act of creation is an attempt to enter a mysterious realm, a longing to transcend. What we create allows us to share glimpses of an inner landscape, one that is beyond our understanding. Art is our portal to the unseen world. The practice of spirituality is a way of looking at a world where you're not alone. There are deeper meanings behind the surface. You are part of something much larger than can be explained, a world of immense possibilities. When you're working on a project, you may notice apparent coincidences appearing more often than randomness allows, almost as if there's another hand guiding yours in a certain direction, as if there is an inner knowing gently informing your movements. Faith allows you to trust the direction without needing to understand it. Pay particular attention to the moments that take your breath away. He says, as artists, we aim to live in a way in which we see the extraordinary hidden in the seemingly mundane, then challenge ourselves to share what we see in a way that allows others a glimpse of this remarkable beauty. Reflecting on creativity, inspiration, ideas, art, and music, and beauty, brings us into an encounter with things that are beyond and below the surface. Whether it's that song we listen to over and over again on repeat, a painting, a book, a play, a movie, the beauty of nature, or a Taylor Swift concert where you're singing with thousands of people in a stadium and out on the streets and a massive communal experience. They connect us to the something more and deeper of our existence. As Elizabeth Gilbert wrote, it can feel like big magic, but here we call that the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the birth of the church on that fateful day in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples and they shared the gospel, the story of Jesus and the love of God in many different languages. People from all over the world, from hard to pronounce places, heard them and they believed and they were baptized, 3,000 in all and many more after. We hear in our other readings about how the Spirit fell on the elders as well as Eldad and Medad in the book of Numbers and how they prophesied. We hear about how after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples, showed them his scars, said, peace be with you, and breathed on them, and they received the Spirit. These were moments of inspiration, encounters with the divine where people were empowered to speak and preach and prophesy and create. The Spirit was the animating force of these communities. 
And these readings remind us that the Holy Spirit is woven through who we are and what we do and how we do it and the relationships of which we are a part. The Holy Spirit is God working in us and through us. The Holy Spirit gives us faith as a gift. Faith is not something we self-generate, but something we receive. Inspiration is not something that we self-manufacture. It is given to us. The Holy Spirit is God living in and with us, connecting us more deeply to ourselves, to others, and to our world. The Holy Spirit is something that we can never lose. And yet, at times, it can feel as though we have. We say, I've lost my faith, or my faith is not strong, as strong as it used to be. But the Holy Spirit is still there, still breathing life into us, still giving us the gift of faith. In those moments, it can be helpful to focus not on creating faith, but receiving faith from the Spirit. You know, there's nothing that is scarier for me as a writer than to feel like I have, and I superstitiously don't even want to say the words, writer's block. (laughs) Just to feel like you don't know where to start, you don't know what to say, to wonder whether you have anything left to say, anything new and worthwhile. And even though you know this moment will pass, and it has many times before, it is still a scary moment. And I think we experience those moments in our faith lives, too. We feel like we don't have it, like we lost it, like we don't know the words to say when we pray anymore. We're not in the same groove. We can look back on our lives and wonder whether God was really at work there or it was just a series of random events that got us to where we are. But as Lutherans like to remind anyone who will listen, it is not up to us. It is up to God. Our promises may waver, but God's do not. We may feel challenged in our faith, but God always has faith in us, and the Holy Spirit isn't going anywhere. And I will tell you the secret I've learned after writing a thousand sermons. Most of the time, the problem is because you're not paying attention to the thing that is right in front of you. Usually, the block is because you're not paying attention to what's right there. We make it too complicated. We think that it's not good enough. We are looking for the answers here, there, and everywhere. Beatles reference. When most of the time, most of the time, they are right there in front of us, staring at us, and we're not noticing it. What is the thing that is right in front of you, that's staring at you that you are not noticing? Is it the beauty that is all around us, the communities to which we are connected, the people we love, the simple gifts of the everyday, the gift of a moment and a life, this precious day that will never come again? the last thing that you read or watched or heard, or even the hard thing that may yield a blessing if we stay with it. That is where your inspiration is waiting for you. That is where the Spirit longs to meet you. As Jesus said, seek there and you will find it. Ask and it will be given to you. 
Knock, and it will be opened. Amen.